Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 2, Deep State. The deep state is real. And it's just that, a 51st state, hidden from the American people and unacknowledged by the federal government, even as it pulls the government's most important levers. How do you hide an entire state? You bury it. Deep. In Civics 101, we're taught the particulars of the visible constitutional state. The one you can visit in Washington. The one you vote for. Deep state is just a new term for a phenomenon that's influenced American democracy for 150 years. To many, it describes another more shadowy, more indefinable government. That description is accurate, but it's not the whole story. In July 1861, weeks after the first major fight of the Civil War, the first battle of Bull Run, members of President Lincoln's inner circle nervous about his chances at reuniting the nation, decided the country needed a backup plan in case the capital fell. They sent a small group of civil engineers called the Shovelmen to scout locations in the West. Today, some say the hole dug by the Shovelmen, believed to be underneath the Colorado-Wyoming border, houses a powerful bureaucracy rumored to be 600,000 strong. So why is a shadow government designed to silently run the real version of American democracy suddenly a regular topic of conversation within the constitutional state? Is there dissent in today's deep state? What's the ultimate goal of deep state leadership? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Warren Weber. Welcome to the second season of Optophobia. On today's show, I'm going to introduce the theme of our new season and also talk to my new co-hosts, Muriel Woland and Clifford Hanger. Before I introduce Muriel and Clifford, I want to just talk a bit about our topic for the next 12 shows. This season, we're tackling an issue that has a lot of resonance here in the nation's capital, the deep state. There is the visible government, situated around the mall in Washington, and then there is another more shadowy, more indefinable government that is not explained in Civics 101 or observable to tourists at the White House or the Capitol. That's according to a guy named Mike Lofgren, who coined the term deep state, as it applies to the United States in a 2014 essay. But the term had its beginnings in Turkey, and then expanded to other nations like Egypt and Pakistan. In those situations, it basically meant either propaganda or violence with the purpose of overthrowing the government or the government's own security forces dictating orders to the government. Lofgren, who was a congressional staffer for three decades specializing in national security, molded the term deep state to mean, quote, a hybrid association of elements of government 
and the parts of top-level finance and industry that is effectively able to govern the United States without reference to the consent of the governed as expressed through the formal political process. In a 2016 book called The Deep State, The Fall of the Constitution and the Rise of a Shadow Government, Lofgren wrote, quote, Yes, there is another government concealed behind the one that is visible at either end of Pennsylvania Avenue, a hybrid entity of public and private institutions ruling the country according to consistent patterns in season and out, connected to, but only intermittently controlled by, the visible state whose leaders we choose. This idea has, of course, been co-opted by the current administration, whose leader, the President of the United States, said at a rally in 2018 that, quote, unelected deep state operatives who defy the voters to push their own secret agendas are truly a threat to democracy itself. Like a lot of things we talk about on this show, there are kernels of truth in all of this, but none of it is the whole truth. Deep state is just a new name for a fixture of our democracy that's been around, yes, pulling the strings of our elected government for more than 150 years. Lofgren has written that his analysis of the deep state phenomenon, quote, is not an expose of a secret conspiratorial cabal. The state within a state is hiding mostly in plain sight, and its operators mainly act in the light of day. And that is where his deeply researched and thoughtful reasoning goes completely off the rails. Because the deep state is exactly what Lofgren says it's not. It is a secret conspiratorial cabal. It is not hiding in plain sight. Its operators are not acting in the light of day. In fact, the term deep state is the most accurate language that could be used to describe the situation. This season on Optophobia, we're going to explore the idea that the deep state is an actual 51st state buried under rangeland along the Colorado-Wyoming border. Its residents are powerful actors connected to shadowy, influential figures in Silicon Valley, Wall Street, the Pentagon, the intelligence services, and the courts. So the main question we'll hope to answer over the course of the next dozen shows is, what does the deep state want? What are its residents' motivations? Is it all about power? What's the end game? But we'll also get into the details of what the deep state really is. Where is it exactly? How did it begin? How was it built? Who lives there? Are they allowed to leave and come back? What does a giant underground city look like? So to help me ask those questions and hopefully get some answers, I've invited two deep state experts to be my co-hosts this season. So let's meet them. First, I asked Muriel Wallen to spend the season with us because of her expertise in underground city planning. She's well known as a powerful keynote speaker at major deep state focused conferences. She's a musician. She's also a grandma. Muriel, thank you for agreeing to co-host the show this season. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe just introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you so much, Warren. It's just a pleasure to be here today. I am actually a retired businesswoman. Spending more time these days, getting some time with my grandbabies. I have Behemoth and Mephistopheles and Paxton. Those are my three grandbabies. Those are their names? Mm-hmm. Those are their Behemoth, names. Behemoth, Mephistopheles, and Paxton. 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 And I'm just su- such a proud grandma. But this is just, you know, a little thing that grandma's doing for herself. 
is spending some time investigating the deep state. Because as, as you mentioned, I'm a musician and I worked for some time as a musical consultant. And that is what really sparked my interest in this. So you mentioned that you're a businesswoman. When you were employed, what did you do? More um, trades, working on trades. And um, some people would say, oh, I, I really need to write this song. I'm just completely stuck. I would do anything to be able to write this song. And then I'd come in and we'd work out a mutually beneficial trade. And then I'd give them the song that they needed. Okay. So you're sort of an entrepreneur songwriter. Yeah, exactly. And what did people usually trade for the songs? Money uh, money would um, be my first. Well, it was more of a non-monetary kind of, uh, it was, you know, their souls or their firstborn. So they would trade their souls for a good song? What wouldn't you trade for the best song, you know? Where did you do this business? Were you... Oh, all over, just international kind of here and there and everywhere. Are you from any particular place? Where did you grow up? Oh, you know, I grew up in Sheol, Sheol, South Carolina. Oh, Sheol, South Carolina. It is a little lovely place that's, you know, right under Chapin near Columbia. I had seen you once uh, speak at a conference and you were captivating. And there was a little fear in the room, I remember, when you were, I mean, that they needed to really pay attention. You know, I just say that people are afraid of a strong woman, Warren. People are afraid of a strong woman. What can I say? I'm captivating, okay? In Sheol, where I grew up, we can say that it's hotter than hot, and I know how to heat up a room. I mean, at one point during your talk, you had, it seemed like, maybe you were moving very quickly, but there were kind of flames. Laser pointer. Just a laser pointer. Okay. That was just a laser pointer that I was using, too. Well, we're excited to have you, and I think you will probably get a lot out of our guests. I'd like to think so, too. So let's turn to my other co-host for the season, Clifford Hanger. I first encountered Clifford on YouTube when I was thinking about getting a new salad spinner. But Clifford is kind of the perfect co-host for this season, too. He's got a giant following among deep state believers because he was actually born in the deep state. Yep, yep, yep. So thanks for saying yes when I called. I said yep. Can you tell us a little about your background, how you grew up? Sure can. Clifford Hanger, my friends call me Ford. I I make uh, unboxing videos for YouTube. So not Cliff. What? You don't go by Cliff? Why would I go by Cliff? My name's Clifford. Usually a nickname is your second half of your name. That's how most nicknames work. Um, So my friends call me Ford. Um, make unboxing videos for YouTube. Um, yeah, I was born in the deep state and then I was kidnapped at a very young age and sent out with the other babies that they kick out of the deep state to make us live amongst the people. How do you know that you were born in the deep state? I'm quote unquote from Saratoga Springs, New York, but I, I'm, I have nothing in common with these people. That's how I know. The logic of that is that if you don't, if you don't have anything in common with the people in Saratoga Springs, you were born in the deep state in the deep state. clearly anyone who has that feeling of like i'm not like any of these people in my neighborhood you're probably not from there you're probably kidnapped from the deep state and shipped out to keep like the numbers down in the deep state so what was your childhood like in saratoga grew up in a household uh father was republican mom was democrat i like to say i'm a social democrat now and i argue like a republican what does that mean it means like socially with my friends i'm a democrat uh, like I'll split checks, I'll uh, buy Christmas gifts. But if someone wants to get into an argument with me, I'll just blindly state facts that aren't facts. 
and you can't call me on it. What happens if somebody calls you on it? I just dismiss them and say, that's not proof and that study hasn't been verified. That's usually how I win most arguments. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a donkey in the streets, an elephant in the sheets. So when you say a donkey in the sheets... No, donkey in the sheets. No, an elephant the in the sheets. Elephant in the sheets. I always remember... Uh, what a lady likes. And this is implying that you argue in bed? That's me saying when I'm in my house, I'm a Republican. And when I'm out of my house, I'm a donkey. I'm a Democrat. So when I'm in my house, I'm a, I'm an elephant. Think of all the great things you know about elephants. You know, they make a pilgrimage every year, uh, the same paths. They remember everything very well. They recognize faces very well. They've got their ability to learn and adapt to situations, you know. And they've also got territorial claims. So, like, I'm very much the elephant of my house. S- some people would say, don't date outside my race. So you're an elephant in the sheets and a donkey in the streets and yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, other places in the home. Yeah, other places in the home as well. I'm also, yeah. But it's just easier if I say it that way. If I say donkey in the streets, elephant in the sheets. Yeah, I, I picked that up from uh, one of my black friends. So shout out to uh, Trevor. He taught me that. He, he used to say he's a uh, gentleman in the street in the streets, freaking the sheets. You use that. Yeah, I just substituted what fit for me. Maybe that came from your parents that you had these kind of uh, two worldviews that you've yeah, now yeah, combined. Yeah, yeah. My, my mom, again, was Democratic. My dad was a Republican. Grew up in a split house. It didn't split the house. They're still married today. I don't know how they did it because I, I mean, I can't marry outside my political alignings. A lot of women I've dated have said it's kind of hard to keep up because as soon as I leave the house, I change. And then as soon as we get back home, I change again. But I feel like, you know, you just got to be adaptable. How did you get into unboxing videos? I was trying to buy an MPC player for Trevor, my black friend, who raps. He just mentioned it once. He's like, man, I'm going to get this MPC player, this uh, drum machine. I'm going to I'm gonna start making some beats. And I was like, I don't know what that is. It blew my mind. And then I typed it into YouTube and I just... Like the next video that came up, the first video was actually showing me an MPC player, but the next video was someone pulling an MPC player out of a box. And I found myself, I was like, holy crap. Like I'm not only seeing what this looks like when it's shipped, but I'm seeing how it comes packaged, what comes in the box, like what kind of wrappings are in there that, what, what am I going to need? Scissors? Am I going to need a box cutter to open this up? Like I, I was, uh, I was taken aback, but I was also enthralled at the same time. And I realized... I've got a bunch of stuff at home that I haven't opened. I should start recording myself opening. I feel like you're up, upset, Muriel. Oh, no, I'm I'm not upset at all. In fact, I just, I'm a little upset that you don't remember me, actually. Because <laughs> remember when you were six years old and your parents were fighting and fighting and you would you said, I would do anything to keep mommy and daddy together? Yeah, I remember that, actually. Yeah. Okay, well. I don't. I'll see you in 32 years, okay? Okay. Really just like twisting my brain up there. Do you remember that moment? 32. And I remember telling my parents I'd do anything to keep mommy and daddy together. Do you remember a promise that you made? I believe I remember some kind of promise, but I was also very young when this happened. So I know I was talking to like a, like at the time, a very beautiful woman. Was it a Sports Illustrated with Giselle Bunchen on the cover? That rings a bell. And you said... Miss Bunchen. Yeah, I said Miss Bunchen. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. I would do anything. Anything. To keep my mommy and my daddy together. Yeah, I did. I remember I did say a prayer to Giselle Bunchen, kind of like selling my soul. And then Giselle Bunchen started speaking in Latin? She did. She started speaking in pig Latin to me. Specifically the Latin of the pigs. Yeah, specifically Latin of the pigs. And she was like, Cude, Bude, Exne, 
on the breast milk A. Ex-nay on the divorcee. Yeah, she, she was like, ex-nay on the breast milk A, ex-nay on the divorcee. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to remember this because I'm too young. It also restored your foreskin that day. I was born cut, and I remember after I made that deal with Giselle Bunchkin, I looked down and my penis was wearing a hoodie again. Could the foreskin thing be some sort of deep state, Mark? It's not that it it's some sort of deep state. Every man who's been circumcised is from the deep state. That's how they mark the men. Now, for the women, any woman who gets an annual mammogram, she's been conditioned. So it's only women who are over the age of yes. 50, I believe, yes. Yes. are from the deep state. Women who are over the age of 50 who get annual breast screenings. So they realize then they're they from the They realize deep state? then that they're from the deep state because uh, the deep state implants a trigger inside uh, all women to say at a certain age, you need to go get mammograms to save your it's a quote unquote to save your life and it really is is that you've now been scanned back into the deep state because they're scanning your DNA back in to reproduce you if you were to pass away well this sounds like a good time to take a break since we're getting into deep state lore let's do that we'll be right back hey optophobes have you ever been in the grocery store and you run into someone you vaguely know from work or from fishing off the bridge or whatever, and you have an awkward so much weather conversation, and then, thank God, that's over, and you grab the last thing you need and get in the checkout line, and then you realize they're the person right in front of you in line, and you have to either sneak into a different line or stare into your phone and pretend you didn't notice it was them because you've already exhausted all 17 seconds of weather talk that you've got. That's where Kananga Pit Viper Gels come in. Just pop a CPVG when you realize you're stuck, and within seconds, essential trace minerals from your thyroid gland begin clearing metabolic pathways, allowing small talk topics to flow. Pit Viper Venom helps quiet activity in the hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis. That lowers your stress response, triggering an increased production of oxytocin and other prosocial hormones. It's also very dangerous because venom. So don't take more than one gel per ever. Hey, we're back. So I am with my new co-hosts for our new season of Optophobia, Miria Walland and Clifford Hanger. I want to ask both of you guys some questions about your deep knowledge about the deep state. I love blue pill, red pill stuff. Let's go. When do you each remember first hearing the term deep state or the concept of the deep state? Meryl, did you want to go first or? I just know that if I go first, it's going to bring up a lot of questions about like, how old are you? Are you undead? All of these questions. So I, I didn't really want to get into it. But if I must, I'll get into it. Okay. Okay. This is going to bring up questions of are you undead? Uh, just a little bit. Okay. Well, okay. So it was around the turn of the century, and I was summoned to a crossroads where there were men with shovels, and they were saying, we need the perfect song for our 51st state. We would do anything to get the perfect song for our 51st state. And when I arrived for this new business opportunity... They said to me, please, please help us. We'll do anything. We'll do anything. Okay. And so ipso facto, tit for tat, trade for trade, I gave them a song. 
And what was the tit for tat? It was a little tit for tat. They said we have these tweens that we want to get off of our hands. They're our firstborn tweens. You take our tweens, and boom, bam, bam, you're grandmother, like you always wanted to be, and we're tween free. And you know, and I gave them a song. And that song was important enough to them. It was important enough to them to give away their tweens. To give away their tweens, and it was important enough for me to because I became a grandmama that day. And that's how I got Behemoth Mephistopheles. And what was the last one? Paxton. Paxton. Paxton came later. Paxton's kind of the most normal of those names. Well, Behemoth and Bistopheles. I mean, in Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. You're yeah. setting that kid up for failure. No. What are you talking about? It's a, that is a family name in Sheol. In Sheol. That's a family name. That, that kid's gonna have to spell that name every time. It... Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. That's insane. M, E, P, H. I-S-T-O. Bim, bam, boom. Elise. That's it. Okay, that's a, that's a lot for a kid. You know. And you became their grandmother. I became their grandmother. I knew in my heart that I was always going to be a grandmama. You said that these men had shovels. They had shovels and they were they were digging up holes and they were trying to get back to what they said was their home state. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we need a song to represent our home state. And I gave them that song. And and I was like, hmm, there must be something going on. Because being an expert in underground city planning, I know the underground landscape, okay? I know what's going on down there. But I did not know that there was this state happening or that people were trying to get there. Because usually, you know, when people go underground, it's like, oh, no, please, no, don't hang me by that. Don't flay my skin. Don't suck the marrow out of my bones while I'm still living. That whole thing, you know? They're not trying to get down there. And it just, it surprised me. And then I thought to myself, hmm, there are all these people that I know for a fact died, supposedly I'm using air quotes right now, but didn't actually end up either up there or down there, okay? We're talking Jimi Hendrix. We're talking... Uh, the woman who sounds like a man when she sings, Janis Joplin. We're talking Tupac, Biggie. Where are they? A lot they? of black people on that list. I didn't say that. You said that. Are you saying the black people when they die, they know they go up? No, or down? I said Janis Joplin too. I know, but you you said kind of three big. Well, black I'm names. just saying people who died before their time. Oh, okay, where their, their, time. their death is shrouded in mystery. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not on the register. So you're one of the people who think Tupac and Biggie. Death Shrouded Mystery. I'm thinking they are in a new state, uh-huh. some sort of Illuminati special special people run state. Special people? People who are talented. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Underground. Underground, that, yeah. That I was hitherto not aware of. Okay. The song that you wrote for these, the men with the shovels. Let's just call them shovelmen. The shovelmen. What do you think they wanted it for? They were saying we need an anthem for our state. Do you think that Muriel Walland is the author of the Deep State National Anthem? I thoroughly believe that because it was, I mean, we were talking a rockin' hit. Yeah, what did it sound like? So you're the Betsy Ross. You guys might actually remember it from Holes, the Disney Channel movie about the book Holes. Never saw it. Mainly for tweens. Mephistopheles loves it. You probably heard it because it's a hit. I mean, it basically had a life even after the Deep State. I'm sure they didn't want it to get out. But it goes... Digging up, da, digging up holes. Yeah, do that again. Can you start that again? Digging up, da, digging up holes. See, even there, 
this is the thing that bothers me about the anthem because it sounds like digging up, dick, digging up holes. And I, now that I'm here with the author of it, I can see that it's not what she's saying. See, that's the thing. It's they said we want it to sound like it could be about penises. And we want it to sound like it's making some sort of assertion about what we believe Mm -hmm. in our state and that we believe in our state. And get this, this is going to blow your mind, that a man should be circumcised. My songs are rife with double meanings. And that's one where, where they were like, we need a double meaning. We need this to say something, not just about how our state was formed by digging up holes but about our beliefs in the state. so And they loved this song enough that they gave you two of their tweens in exchange, and now it's their state anthem. Three it's of the now tweens, their right? state anthem. And, no, I got Paxton later. Paxton oh, came okay. later. Paxton came later. This was Mephistopheles and Behemoth. Could you spell his name one more time? I know you spelled I it earlier. I already did. I know. Could you spell it? If I was wasting all my time spelling names of my children, my grandchildren, my grandbabies for men, then we wouldn't have many of the greatest hits of the 21st century. That's a fair point. I became a grandmama that day, and they got an anthem for their home state. It was a beautiful day. Let me ask you guys one more question before we wrap up this first show. It's kind of the big question that we're going to be asking our guests through the season. But what's the end game for the deep state? What what does the deep state want from the rest of us? You saw Jurassic Park where um, Newman from Seinfeld goes and collects one of each sample of the dinosaur DNA and like puts it in a shaving can and wants to take it off the island, Isla Murda, and give it to InGen and like – now they've got the DNA. They don't need the park. That's essentially what the deep state wants. The deep state wants to take the DNA from all the people and make replicas of us so that when we eventually die from our own failures, they can repopulate the planet, almost like a reset button in a video game. So the whole planet will become the deep state. Yeah, this is why you need foreskins. Right. That makes sense. So the foreskins, they're extracting the DNA from the foreskins yeah. to make... We make new males, but they wait until... Uh, women go and get the mammary check. Their mammary check? When women go and get their mammaries checked. They get their mammograms. Yeah, they get their mammary mammograms and they get scanned and that's when that DNA is taken. If you did it at the same time when both people were young, people, it would be too many people like onto it. Like, why are we all doing this when we're young? So you take the kids when they're young, you, you get them, you know, get all the doctors in on it. That's a deep stay right there. All the doctors in on castrating, not castrating, hopefully, but, uh, you know, circumcising all the boys. So you do it then. So it's, it's, it's easy. No one's, no one's checking anything. And then you wait for the women to have to get, you know, the mammograms and then they get their DNA scanned. So it's like such a far apart thing that no one's putting it together, but I have. I've put it together. Mary, what about you? What do you think the the deep state really wants? They want to cheat death, too, but in a different way. I think that they want to create a hideout for super rich, super talented people so that we think that they're dead, right? We're, We're all thinking that they're dead, but they're not in anyone's registers. They're not on God's register. They're not on what's his face, Jesus or whatever's register. They're they're trying to sneak away and and form a little state 
all for themselves. For themselves. Where they're not going up or down. They're just black people in the middle. I did not say that. You said Tupac. You I said, said Tupac. You I said Biggie. Biggie. I said Jimmy Hendrix. You said Jimmy Hendrix. That's a big three. And I, then you said Janis Joplin. I know all three I of those guys. Three very talented people who died under shady circumstances. Do you say talent tipped people because they're circumcised? Are they circumcised? Yes. They're most famous because they're circumcised. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there for now, but I want to thank my guests this week and my season two co hosts. Muriel Walland and Clifford Hanger. Call me Ford. Next week, we will be joined by Jill Zish, a pedicurist from Lone Jack, Missouri, who says a man named Robert occasionally shows up at her spa, which is called the Crystal File, for a paraffin treatment and talks the whole time about an imminent collapse of the system and the growth of the surveillance mechanism. Wow. Things like that. So she believes this guy's part of the deep state, but we'll we'll be able to ask her next week. I hope you will join us. Thank you for listening to Optophobia. I'm Warren Weber, and I'll leave you with this. A poor man from the roof sees farther than a rich man from the cellar. If you've got theories about what the deep state really wants, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website at optophobia.org or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Liz Sanders played Muriel Woland. Liz performs with Madeline, a Washington improv theater house ensemble. Jamal Newman played Clifford Hanger. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at Hello Newman and find him at jamalnewman.com. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open. <laughs>